we had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way. And I, I, I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are three years, seven months, and six days into two weeks to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Marty Foster. Marty, how are you? Uh, bewildered. Bewildered. Uh, my apologies to you, Johnny, for being late. I was late today, listeners. Um, normally, I'm never late. I'm normally there five minutes beforehand, which is the military way. Um, but you know, I'm fine. And I'm a bit bewildered as to why am I about to spend the weekend under canvas in a climate that is going to precipitate heavily. Um, the place is going to be like the Battle of the Somme, without the bullets, of course, but all the mud will be there. Um, how are you, mate? I'm a bit off today, and I, I don't know why. Uh, maybe it's the maybe it's what you said in uh, uh, before I, before we started here that um, I, I'm just you know my body clock is just off. You know I just haven't quite recovered, or I've I, I've skipped a day or, or something. But I'm I'm just like my equilibrium is just a half a degree off or something. It's just I, I'm yeah. If that makes sense, I'm just it does off. it does as I was explaining to you just before we started. And I, I won't use the same terms, but the first time I was on a exercise in a foreign country with my regiment, when we came back in after six weeks in the field with about two and a half hours sleep per night, I slept for 48 hours straight. And the joke of it was we had 72 hours R&R. &R. We could have gone and visited places and stuff, but most of us, all the sprogs, all the brand, all the newbies just had to catch up on their sleep and um yeah all those normal bodily functions that take place in 48 hours happened without waking up shall we just say that yeah that's uh, about as descriptive as you can get without uh without going into too much detail so uh before we get started today i would like to let everyone know that we did take a big risk when we started all of this we are not backed by fake corporate dollars that push fake agendas that make everyone hate each other so if you're interested in supporting the work that we do we do offer additional features with our now active subscription service benefits include access to our instant messaging service for direct communication to us along with early access to upcoming and sometimes unpublished podcasts as well as exclusive access to our behind the scenes uncensored prep sessions where we talk about things that sometimes don't make it to the final product which you're hearing now unfortunately due to someone not being here on the correct time we had to forego that today because of time constraints yeah so, that's my fault i owe you okay. all yeah i'll buy well, you a coffee <laughs> you buy you buy some coffee okay great uh you buy them a coffee yeah you, you will buy yeah, them, that's a lot of coffees uh, you're gonna have to buy they're gonna they're gonna hunt me down first but I well, will yeah buy that's true coffee. yeah that's true the on american demand. women especially they I, will they will all jump on a plane and come to come to England. yeah to, uh, and, and uh, until they see me 
and then they'll run a mile. <laughs> After you read them the phone book, of course. After I've read them a phone book, hypnotize them. Yeah. Right. So so if you want to, <laughs> that's just too funny. So if you want to take part in this fight with us, if you'd like to support a team that's willing to do the real research and not give you fake nonsense for talking points, if you want to say screw you to the mainstream media like CNN, Fox News, BBC, Sky News, and MSNBC, then the link is in the program description down below where you can come on board with us and you can take advantage of these benefits that we're offering to you. And by doing so, you will support our work and also the research that goes along with that work. And together we can take the fight to the doorsteps of these frauds that are on the television, in the newspapers, and the talking heads on the international stage. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, which Marty is so willing to buy everyone, together we can take action as subscriptions start at just $5 per month. Now, are you still unsure of what you're getting? We now offer a 30-day free trial, which includes unlimited access to all features and content. Again, the link is in the program description down below. You didn't know about that part, did you? No, but it's uh, it's it's standard practice. Most of the streaming services offer that service. Yeah. All right, Marty, where would you like to start today? Uh, we have uh, we have quite a bit going on. I, I guess I'll I'll leave it up to you as to where you would like to start. There's plenty to talk about. So uh, actually, I, well, I tell you what, there is there is one thing that yeah. I want to get into today, and don't let me forget it. I want to talk about the Chinese uh, naval fleet, their their amphibious fleet. I want to talk about that because uh, there's some information that's come to light, and I, I would like for you to explain it. But we can get into that as the conversation rolls on. Try not to let me forget that. Sure. On the forefront of my mind is a couple of things. I've got a couple of things to say about uh, that which you and Ned were talking about on the last non-political. Uh, and I just want to pose some questions on that. I haven't spoken to Ned, so I'll probably wind up in trouble, but I don't care. And the other thing is I actually find myself believing some of the stuff I've seen in the last couple of days from mainstream media. And this relates to the explanation from the IDF as to what happened at that hospital. Because the, the IDF, I think he must have been a colonel. There was also a lieutenant. Um, explaining what was going on. But I, I saw a colonel give a brief with, um, you know, full, near near full disclosure on the intelligence that they had, uh, including a recorded conversation in Arabic, which was between Hamas, uh, explaining that the rockets were fired from the cemetery. And if you look at the... Uh, you know, where the, the rockets fell and where the fires were started and, and so on, that would that would all tie up. So mainstream media are broadcasting a portion of the truth. I'm not taking sides in this. This is very much the same as the um, Ukraine war. There's no good guy. Um, there's only victims, and that's victims on both sides. Uh, and that's the you know, people of, of Palestine and the Jewish people within Israel that have lost their lives, been injured, lost family members, and so on. There is no good guy again, only victims. You spent a lot of time in, in services, so you know the difference between a, a U.S. missile, a JDAM. You, you know the difference between that sound and a rocket that's fired from, say, like one of these, um, well, homemade rockets. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, you, you, know the you, get, you get used to uh, different sounds of different munitions. And, yeah, after a while, you can tell what's happening. I wouldn't say I would know with these these weapons that are being used at the moment because they, they all sound slightly different. But, you know, we're, we're trained as infantrymen to use a thing called crack and thump. The initial 
track of the two-part noise to a gunshot, for instance, is actually the round passing you at supersonic speed. The thump is the noise catching up from the rifle. And if you count between the crack and the thump, you can work out approximately how far away the enemy is. Same goes for artillery pieces. I could recognise a 4.5-inch naval gun going off from, from any distance or uh, a Sea Dart missile or a Sea Wolf missile or a Sea Cat missile. Yes, I'm old enough to remember Sea Cat. And if you're in theatre, you will know the difference between these sounds. That's a very long way of, ex- of just saying yes to your question. Mm-hmm. Bruce actually brought this point up uh, yesterday, and we've actually seen where the, you could see where the missiles were actually, they were firing a barrage, uh, Hamas were firing a barrage of, of rockets up, and you could actually see where one didn't quite make it to the altitude it needed to make, and it came down and it hit the hospital. Yeah. So they yeah, they, they bombed their own hospital and they, they blamed it on the Israelis. I mean, I, again, you know, not taking sides because it's, it's a tragedy on both sides, but we, we need to stay impartial on the things Uh, well yes and no well to a point yeah you're right Yeah. yeah when you are in charge of a military force if you're the commander on the ground choosing your launch sites for multiple rocket launches those kind of things you have to consider that counter battery artillery are going to be first of all the sensors are going to be tracking those launches and then they are going to fire back on that position as fast as they can to make sure that it stops the barrage. So firing from the cemetery of a hospital is really reckless. It's um, callous. It's so cynical that even I'm impressed, given the degree of cynicism I have, because they're assuming that the IDF wouldn't fire back on that location. Well, a lot of these systems are automated. You've got the the battery set up, and it could be uh, an automated gun or missile launching system. It detects where the rounds, it tracks the trajectory, works out where the launch site was, and opens up if it's in range. So to set off rockets from a cemetery right next to a hospital is extremely callous. So I I won't uh, maintain impartiality on on that one. one. Yeah. 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 All right. I have a clip here, and I'm going to play this uh, on the exclusive with Ned, but I I wanted to bring this up uh, in this case. Piers Morgan, right? (laughs) We... um, we, we've had long discussions about our opinions of, of Pierce Morgan, and I, I think that we are uh, of the same mind when it comes to that individual. Uh, he had a, uh, a pro-Palestinian uh, supporter on his show on Talk TV, uh, and Pierce Morgan actually compares this this. Uh, conflict to what the IRA have done in the past. And I know you've had some dealings with dealing with them in the past uh, as well. And I thought that we would play this clip uh, because he's making the point that the IRA followed rules when it comes to, you know, to to your your point about being callous. I thought this is a good place to work this in the things that they carried out uh, in in the UK uh, at the time. But anyway, I'll I'll let the clip kind of speak for itself. The IRA uh, committed a series of atrocities Mm -hmm. over numerous decades. Mm -hmm. They targeted, in their eyes, military and political targets. They usually gave some form of warning, not always. Okay. They They were terrorists. No, no, they were terrorists. Sure. They never, ever went out one day 
and committed the barbaric slaughter of 30... Irrelevant. No, no. If they did, if they I'm did. sorry, it's if not they irrelevant. Did. If they did. A, no, Mohammed. If they did. Here's why it's not irrelevant. Okay. They, ne they never did. But if they did, they would, never you, did. would you accept by the, way, the RAF to flag by the way, Belfast? There were outrages committed by... My law, question is... By if, the loyal, lawless parliamentaries too. My question is, my if point. they did, they never came, would you think it's acceptable They never came close to committing an outrage if on that they, scale. If right? they did, is it acceptable They never went in and kidnapped grandmothers or killed babies in cribs. Is it acceptable or not? They believe they were fighting for better or worse, and I believe for worse, and that's why I'm glad peace was found. They believe they were fighting... My question. Political and military time. Trying to bring it right. First of all, yeah, Piers Morgan asks a very valid question, which is unusual because normally his questions are totally provocative. The yes. answer coming back was, "What if they did?" So, what about from Mohammed? There, we don't know. To tell you the truth, is the answer. We don't know what the uh, British government and the armed forces uh, response would have been. It could have been quite serious. What you've got to remember about both of those conflicts, about the um, the troubles in Northern Ireland and the situation in, in Palestine and Gaza, is that you've got a local populace, either through ideology or absolute fear, doing what they're told, doing what they're told by these people launching the attacks. And to some extent, if if they've been turned into uh, um, a terrorist or a terrorist supporter by having their electricity and water cut off and constant checks and, and stuff as they cross borders within their own territory by the IDF, then you can kind of understand why they might, you know, hide weapons caches in their houses, uh, pass intelligence. The Northern Irish Catholics, they're children were used as provocation. Um, they were used to throw stones and sticks. And then when the troops would chase them around the corner, there'd be people ready with petrol bombs, Molotov cocktails, even weapons, yeah, and 16, possibly yeah. okay. one sniper ready to kill a soldier. Mm. And that was a successful operation for the IRA. So you can kind of understand it. But I would say the majority of people just want a peaceful, quiet life. And they, when Hamas rocks up at your door and says, you're going to hide these guns for us, and you say no, the next thing you know, you're being dragged out and shot by them. So, like I say, there's no good guy in, in this war. And, and we don't know. If the IRA did have a system of coded messages that would be passed through quite often um, media outlets... The newspapers, BBC News, they would get a call, the police would get a call, and a code number would be given to show that it was a genuine attack because they wanted their name all over that attack. So it, it, it was, you know, we had to get lucky all the time. They only had to get lucky once. Uh, that was the way. That was the way that conflict was fought. You know, it's amazing. You you said the same thing about the Iranians seizing tankers in the Persian Gulf and the Strait of Hormuz. But that's the way it is. It's a constant struggle because we are. How many terrorist organisations? How many rogue nations are there? And because we've got our noses in everybody's bloody business, we have to cope with whatever homegrown terrorist organization, rebel, counter-revolutionary, or whatever you want to call them, 
to deal with. As, as in NATO, the Western world, we have to deal with everybody's angry people. So, yes, we do have to get lucky all the time. They only have to get lucky once. Yeah, and I think to your point there, we do have to uh, to deal with all of these um, these homegrown groups now that are going to be popping up. What do you think these wave after wave after wave of illegal immigration uh, waves are all about? Well, I, I, you had, I'm, you I'm more point. inclined to believe that that is exactly what they're for. Yes, yeah. Uh, that they're, they are a, a, a method of undermining the security of the country. Um, and even if that wasn't the original intention, it would certainly soon be seized as an opportunity by the bad actors that are working against us. Now, the man he had on, Mohammed, whatever his last name is, I have no clue. But I've also seen him on a video arguing with people in, I think it might have been either, either a speech he was given. It could have even been Hyde Park Corner, Speaker's Corner arguing that the Quran doesn't say you can't have sex with a six or nine-year-old child. And what he was saying is the, the actual verses that he was quoting from different books, some from the Quran as it's accepted and some from the Hadith, merely point out who you can't divorce. But he was saying, and I don't know whether this is true or not, but he was maintaining that it was it doesn't because the argument comes up quite often with muhammad the prophet muhammad's wife still being i think nine years old when they married yeah and so yeah that's true he's obviously had this question put to him a number of times he's gone into the the his his holy books and says it doesn't say anywhere in the quran that you can't what it does say is that you can't divorce someone who is pre-pubescent so whoever that channel was, um, I can't recall. It's one of it was the, Talk TV. Yeah, yeah. Talk, Talk TV. What they've done is they've dragged the most controversial idiot onto their show to get the soundbite, to get the argument. And that's what Piers Morgan is used for. He's used to start arguments so that he can say controversial things. Same as Mohammed there, who was on the show, says controversial things. It's just a way of getting viewer numbers up. It actually it, doesn't address yeah. a single damn thing about the conflict. No, it doesn't. And and that's what the concept is all about. It's it, People look at it as, and I stated this yesterday, we're told to choose a side. Ukraine, Russia, pick a side. Israel, Palestine, pick a side. No one's paying attention to the larger agenda. No one's paying attention to the, the larger strategy and the larger game that's being played. And that right there, if we don't come to grips with that, then I think we're going to be in an even bigger problem than what we are now. You're right. It's meant to stir that controversy. It's meant to drive that wedge and to create that rigidity uh, amongst yeah, people. It's, it's a divisive it force. It, yeah. It's a divisive force. Remember the guy we had on some time ago? He was the uncle of my childhood best friend. Yes. And in various text conversations with him about, you know, via Facebook, Facebook Messenger or, or Twitter, not Twitter as, as such, even sometimes now, though, I had to say to him exactly that, choose a side. But it wasn't Ukraine, Russia. It wasn't Hamas, Israel. It wasn't Northern Ireland, British government, uh, sorry, IRA, British government. It was freedom or totalitarian communism. Those are the two sides that we're picking between. 
unfortunately, everything else that's happening is white noise that is distracting us from what's really happening, which is slowly but surely we are coming under the grip of totalitarian rule, whether we're sat here in the West thinking we're living in freedom or if you're in Russia or any of the former Soviet satellites. And we do have quite a listener base in some of those countries, so they fully well understand what we're sitting here talking about. As you say, everything is white noise. Everything's a smokescreen. Now, again, there are real atrocities that are being committed in the Middle East right now. And I think that that's meant to develop into a wider conflict. As you can see what's going on in Lebanon today, uh, they're in the process uh, of withdrawing diplomats from not just Western nations, but the Saudis. Last night, the Saudi government ordered all of their diplomats and all of their staff and their citizens to leave immediately. So that to me, whenever you see, again, that's just my own personal opinion. Whenever you start to see a country officially pull their diplomats and then they call their citizenry out, that's when you know something is going to happen in that country. Uh, the Saudis are being pulled. Our people are being pulled. I don't know if you guys have, have made that decision yet or not, but I think that Lebanon is going to be the next thing. Uh, and that right now, of course, that's on the, the northern border of Israel. And some are speculating it's going to be uh, Hezbollah coming in from the north, uh, backed by Iran, of course. Yeah. And, and of course, Saudi being a Sunni nation, they're not going to want to get caught by Shia fundamentalists no. um, because got- they will become prime bargaining chips. Yes, and you've got the uh, the Iranian foreign minister or, or something meeting with uh, Mohammed bin Salman today. So I'm assuming that there's a deal being struck there somehow, like you're saying. I, I honestly don't know. But what I do know is all of this sectarian conflict that happens within the Middle East has been fueled by both sides, by Soviet side and by the West because we've given them the weapons, the training, and the support to kill each other more effectively. And, you know, I want to believe in something. I want to believe that when we put our boots on the ground, it's for the right reasons. And in recent times, uh, that belief has dwindled away to virtually nothing. Well, the idea is, in this strategy that's being played, the idea is is to discredit uh, specifically not just, um, well, not just America, but uh, or not just the West uh, or NATO, but it's designed to discredit American foreign policy. When you do that, then you have nations call for neutrality. And when you have nations call for neutrality, then that breaks up alliances. And that's what the game is here. So they can pick us off one at a time. Yeah, so, I know you're right. I know what you're saying is correct, but American foreign foreign policy has absolutely sucked in the last 40 years, I would say. I agree, because we've based it on false premises. Yeah. And the other thing is, make a real friend by a gesture that doesn't come with conditions. That way, the alliances which were based on those conditions are not so easy to break down. If if it's a case of, oh, well, America's providing us with medicines, uh, military training and weapons, but then Russia comes along and says, well, actually, I can give you more medical supplies, the same, if if not better, military training, which is a lie. They can't, but that's what they'd say, and more weapons, and, and you don't have to pay for them, all right? Because... And they're going to go, yeah, okay, because they're not really our friends. They've just taken whatever aid and advancement the West was offering 
just because they needed it. If they can get it from somebody else for less, they will. Everyone's after a bargain. It's Black Friday coming up. Everyone's going to go mental, you know, running through the stores, grabbing TVs and uh, fighting each other for discounted handbags. That is human nature. They will always take the cheaper deal. Make real friends rather than vassals. Well, the support uh, to the Middle Eastern countries, uh, specifically uh, Palestine with the, uh, the with the PLO, uh, Yasser Arafat, he was trained in the Soviet University in Moscow. He was one that was uh, that was brought in. As a matter of fact, he wasn't even Palestinian. He was Egyptian, if I, if I understand it correctly. But he was brought in. And then, of course, you have uh, Iran that's a state spot that's sponsored by Russia, who, uh, you know, of course, they have military alliances with uh, China and North Korea. Uh, and so these groups, these terrorist groups that form, uh, such as, well, you've got Hamas, uh, which, by the way, when they parachuted in, they were actually using Russian parachutes. I don't know if you caught that or not. I didn't. I but, didn't see. I haven't seen much of the footage. I did yeah, see yeah. one paraglider. Um, yeah. And I imagine, yeah, they've, they've got to get it from somewhere. Yeah, and it certainly look military grade. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, uh, you've got groups like Hamas. You've got groups like uh, Hezbollah. You've got groups like uh, the Houthi, which you've mentioned before, that operate out of South Yemen and many, many others. Uh, but these these groups in particular, uh, they're sponsored by these countries. We've ignored, this is another part of this failure of foreign policy that you're talking about of, of America over 40 years, because we have ignored the pretexts that have led us to this point. We just don't want to know for some reason. We put idiots and buffoons into these think tanks and these policymaking level positions that don't know anything, that don't want to know anything, that ignore reality. The research it's, that, uh, it, yeah, go on. It's a go callous, right. If you look at People like uh, Clinton, Hillary Clinton, she'll spew out a load of platitudes and 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 regrets and 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 so on. But she was basically given the direction to the CIA to fund the rebellions that started the Arab Spring, and that Arab Spring went right the way across the top of North Africa and into the Levant, and we're still sowing. Uh, so we're still reaping the the crop from that. Go back a bit further. You look at the Mujahideen. The Mujahideen were tribal warriors, very proud, fiercely nationalistic within Afghanistan, and they were trained and equipped by the CIA to fight the Russians. We need to stop the cycle. We need to stop the cycle because the Russians, they will do the same and they will continue to do the same and we have no moral high ground. So when it kicks off, we are not justified in a massive retaliatory strike against those individuals. And that I, th- I think it, that's part of the reason, not, not the entire reason, but it's part of the reason why we haven't actually done it. Nothing ever goes far enough as well. Like I say, if you're going to put your own countrymen's lives at risk, keep the real estate, let it become a new colony, give it some order, give the people some order. But they, they don't do that either. Desert Storm, right, to liberate Kuwait. We, as a, a coalition as a NATO coalition with the Arab countries that were supporting us to get Saddam Hussein out of Kuwait, were more than capable of carrying on then. But we didn't carry on. We instead retreated back, let Saddam Hussein terrorise the region for another 10 years. And I'm not even sure he was that, that much of a bad guy. Uh, yeah, okay. Oh, he was. He was a bad oh, he guy. Was. <laughs> he was a bad he was. guy. He yeah. he gassed something like three hundred thousand Kurds um, 
you know, using chemical weapons. He was a bad guy, all right, but at one point he was, air quotes, our bad guy until he decided to invade Kuwait. So during that 10 years, what happened? Oil prices went through the roof. Billions in weapons and training were sold to Arabic countries. And then all of a sudden, time to get rid of him completely. Tony Blair and his trumped up weapons of mass destruction, uh, let's go back in, starts a false war that continues to destabilize the region. The whole region just needs some stability. We hadn't heard much about Islamic terrorism and activity for quite a while because we were distracted by Convid and, you know, uh, what else? I suppose the economic downturn, uh, the energy crisis, then the war in Ukraine, and whack, we're, we're like back full circle. We've got to break the cycle somehow, and I think the way to do that is for big, powerful countries to mind their own f***ing business and for them to just be prepared to protect themselves and their own borders. That's just my opinion. That's just the way I feel about it. Um, I'm, I'm willing to argue any of those points with anyone. Considered an informed opinion that we're all welcome to, and we're happy to have it. A few things. Uh, I don't I don't believe that we have time to get into it today. I would like to do an entire podcast with you because I, I want to get on to other things. Uh, I want to move over to China here in a second. But I had mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago, but b due to the fact of the Israel and Palestine thing, I wanted to talk about a scissor strategy. And I can actually explain the first part of what you were talking about there with the Mujahideen and everything else, and how that was actually a setup for us to do exactly what you mentioned. So there was a place placeholder that was set up before that happened. Because if you remember, the Soviets were in there before we were, and then you were in there before the Soviets. So yeah. there's a cycle to this, and it's a long-term strategy. It's a long, long-range strategy. Yeah, so scissor strategy. Yes, scissor in. strategy. And I I, I mean, I, like I said, I don't have time to get into that today, but uh, basically they they take over the entire agenda and they, they have, it's, it's like they call it a scissor strategy for a reason, because you're sharpening both ends of the blade and you're putting them against each other and you're cutting up the person in the middle. And that's the, the concept behind it. But I can explain exactly what they did. Bruce and I were going over looking at the timeline of events of what has happened over the last 20 years, 20 to 30 years since uh, what's it since specifically since 9-11 and our involvement in Afghanistan with you guys uh, and other NATO countries. We were able to lay out the, the turn of events as they were happening, because now we have, you know, full scope of things being this this far into it. It's exactly what they did. It is precisely what they did. But more to that point, you're familiar with the uh, the Russian defector from the intelligence services, Alexander Livinenko, yes? I, yes. Yeah. Defected to you guys uh, and was poisoned by polonium-210, if I'm not mistaken. And your your report in the country that was put out by your government, a 329-page uh, report entitled The Livinenko Inquiry and how Putin probably, quote, probably ordered the hit. One of the things that he stated publicly, Livinenko, he stated publicly before he was poisoned, about, I want to say it was less than 30 days before he was poisoned, he made the claim of this. Alexander Livinenko precisely stated that Soviet intelligence spawned Islamic terrorism and even trained al-Qaeda leader Iman al-Zwahari. Well, if that's the yeah. case... If that's the case, well, then what does that tell us about 9-11? So again, I'm not going to go down. I'm not going to go down into it today, but that plays to a larger scissor strategy. So if we're dealing with this now, you know, this is in the opening pages of this book that I'm reading. But if we're dealing with this now, then we need to take a larger look at a longer range policy than what we're looking at on the surface now. 
Well, anyway, I don't want to go into t- I don't want to go into the detail of that today because again, that's a longer conversation, and we don't have time for that today. So I'm I'm more than happy to discuss that, and especially after I read more of this book uh, and do some more research into uh, what I'm working on now. But I want to move over to China. I had talked with Bruce yesterday about um, the uh, the strategy of their amphibious forces in the Pacific. Now we're told, and I. Again, I will forgive you because I know you haven't yet. Otherwise, you would have brought it to my attention. General Chiao Chen's speech about at the end towards uh, when he speaks about Taiwan. And I can tell by the look on your face that you haven't read it yet. And that's okay because I know you're busy. So Bruce did read it. And we we kind of we both agree. Uh, and perhaps you will when you when you read it as well. It's it's full of good communist propaganda and all that stuff. You know, it's good. You know, everything's a success. And nothing's a failure. And yeah. But he says in the end of that speech that Taiwan is the deception. America is the target. So on with America, Taiwan is is a distraction. Let's move. So we've been seeing uh, aerial incursions and things uh, towards uh, Taiwan in the in the last few months. And the, yeah, go ahead. I'm going to make this really brief because uh-huh. you're right. I haven't read the speech yet. Perhaps I should have done. In fact, yes, I definitely should have done. However, as all of warfare is deception. Why was this th- this speech leaked? Um, if they want to keep something secret, they can damn well keep it secret. It's it's not a problem for, for them to have meetings where no one is listening in or speeches to be given to those that need to hear them. The intended recipient of that speech, by the sounds of it, is definitely the West. Okay? They have said, Taiwan is the deception and America's the target. So that in itself is a deception because you you don't know which one, which area to protect. And if you protect everything, you protect nothing effectively because it costs too much in resources and and you, you spread yourself too thin. So in those terms, I'm willing to continue the conversation along those lines that he was being genuine in what he was saying, mm-hmm. but I'm... About well, this, yeah, 60, this, 40 okay, convinced that it, no, it's, it's a further deception. That's fine. Uh, but the, the speech, by the way, that was supposed to be secret. It was never supposed to be gotten out. And everyone, as yeah, well, far as I know. Like, yeah, like yeah, I, I say, know. If you, I know. You know. I know. Well, regardless, it, I honestly, I think that the, the next point that I'm going to make here, I think it, po- it could possibly negate that fact. So here's what I want to discuss with you. The Chinese amphibious fleet has a range of 6,000 nautical miles. Now, if you do the math, and you've been in the Pacific, if you do the math, it's not 6,000 nautical miles from the coast of the east coast of China to the west coast of Taiwan. However, it is 6,000 nautical miles from the east coast of China to the west coast of the United States. So why do they need, if they're going to, if they're going to move an amphibious fleet, if they're going to move uh, military equipment, roll on, roll off ships, row, row ships, if they're going to move that type of stuff, then why do they need a 6,000 nautical mile range? You always need to be able to get your logistics further than the plan because every plan falls apart on first contact with the enemy. So let's say that amphibious assault fleet starts heading towards Taiwan and then gets intercepted or their their sensors, their, their surveillance network, their satellite picks up the raid of uh, strike aircraft coming to blow them out of the water, yeah? They've then got to cover that space and intercept those strike aircraft with their intercept aircraft. They've then got to run away for a period of time. They've then got a windy air battle, at which point they turn around and head back to Taiwan. So you always have to have... You mean China? More... Yeah, sorry. No, what I mean is 
if the Chinese were heading towards Taiwan, yeah, and the response of the US was to send strike oh, aircraft to you. sink that fleet, gotcha. They would have to be leapfrogged, leapfrogged by their interceptors. The interceptors would then have to win the air battle. All this time, the fleet has turned round, headed back towards safety, and then. If they won the air battle, they would then return yeah, back to Taiwan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and a range of six thousand miles. Right, I think the I, I I couldn't tell you exactly how much uh, diesel fuel the Type Forty Two destroyer that I crossed the Atlantic on and then crossed the Pacific on how much it could take on board. I would not have a clue because I was a weapons engineer, not a marine engineer. However. We have things, and they have things, called force multipliers. In other words, tankers and replenishment at sea is possible. If you plan it well enough, just like Rommel planned with all his ammunition and fuel caches along the top of North Africa so that they could advance from one end to the other and pick up the caches as as they went to to roll all the way to uh, Alexandria and, and Cairo. That was their plan, obviously stopped at El Alamein. If you put your, your fleet refueling platforms out in advance of the of the uh, the invasion fleet, they can be refueled. So that range of six thousand nautical miles could be twice that, could be three times that if they've done the right logistics. So okay. again, it's it's you you don't know which bit to defend. Right. And that makes things difficult. That that gives the enemy a slight advantage because you are gonna have to split your forces to defend one thing or another. That's a that's a fair assessment. Okay, so here's what I wanted to, to ask you about in regards to that. You have more knowledge than than most other people on how this works. And you know, I, I, you might be limited, and we haven't discussed this prior to you might be limited in what you can or cannot say. So we'll just we'll just go with it. One of our AWACs last week was in the process of looking for one of their roll-on, roll-off ships in the Strait of Taiwan or the Taiwan Strait, whatever they call it. The, the Chinese call it the South China Sea. It's all the way up to the north. But yeah. when we were tracking it, we sent the aircraft to to go and, and do reconnaissance on it. We found that it wasn't there. This is just last week. We found that it wasn't there. Instead, we found it on the north off the north coast of China. Off the just off the coast, it's been surmised, and and we think that they're in the process of spoofing their transponders. How difficult is it for them to do such a thing? Well, every commercial ship and even warship have uh, a system on board which goes up via Inmarsat and says where it is. You know, it's a it's a safety thing. Now, warships can turn theirs off so that. You know their position isn't being broadcast across the internet, but in in most cases, everything that's at sea is telling uh, the satellite system, and therefore those that are keeping an eye on them uh, for their own safety where they are. So no, no, it it wouldn't necessarily be that difficult. But I am just spitballing it here in in my own head as as we're going along. I can't see why. Uh, a clever piece of code, if undetectable, couldn't give those kind of false locations for ships. I can't see what why it couldn't be done. We, we've been expecting cyber attack. We've had cyber attack after cyber attack coming out of China. Uh, and something as simple as uh, a well-written uh, virus 
that passed on certain information or distorted information. But the thing is, you'd expect that to be detectable because people should be looking for those kind of anomalies. Indeed. Also, again, I, I think this is another uh, another telltale sign, and I, I discussed this yesterday. We were talking about the you know wider implications and things. Uh, if the Middle East continues, then that's obviously that's going to pull our resources out of the Pacific and move us over into the uh, uh, the Middle East to provide support. Um, now we know that they've been wanting to challenge us in the Pacific, so they need to knock us down. As in, like they need to to knock. <laughs> We, we've moved two carrier strike groups out of there, and we've put them in the med since then. So um, that's that's valuable resources that we're not going to have to back up our allies in the Pacific. And if they're going to move and to make a challenge to us in the Pacific, then they need us distracted elsewhere. Are, are you absolutely certain that those assets have been withdrawn from the Pacific and not just um, taken from the Atlantic fleet? Well, now the the Gerald Ford, yes, that because that was in the Northern Atlantic, out on maneuvers with, I believe it was you guys and the Norwegians. I think it was yeah. on maneuvers up there not too long ago. So that's one. And we moved the Dwight D Eisenhower into the Med last week, this past weekend. And where did it sail from? Don't know. Right. Thing is, moving ships uh, across the continents of North and South America, the only way to uh, do it quickly is via Suez. Yeah. Yeah. And if if that were the case, I would expect to see Suez, not Suez, what am I talking about? Panama, Panama Canal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would accept I, I would expect that to, to come under attack fairly rapidly so that any forces, any assets couldn't make their way back out to the Pacific. So you're stuck with um Well who controls you know, the, the Panama Canal? Well, good question. The Chinese. <laughs> yeah, because they've gone and given a ton of uh, Belt and Road aid to uh, to Panama because you Panama had, had grown sick of um, the conflict caused by the CIA's involvement. It, we've made a rod for our own back because there, there's it, it's always this thing, beware of powerful allies. Because you, you wind up as a vassal. You don't wind up with any autonomy. And now they've made the same mistake again. Because both Ned and I go on a lot about human nature. And it's human nature to take the cheaper deal. To take, uh, you know, what's ever being offered. To take the alternative. If you're fed up with what you're, ge you're, you're getting and you're given an alternative, even if that alternative is coming from uh, a lying, corrupt, totalitarian place like Russia or China, people are still stupid enough to take it or blackmailed or ideologues or or stupid it's it's one of those three three things no one in their right mind would get into bed with russia or china but countries are and they're doing it for one of three reasons crash stupidity ideology which you can't fight against or threats and bribery so that's four reasons really but they they amount to the same thing. They're either being threatened with losing everything they have, including their lives, or they are being offered billions in return for those contracts. 
Indeed, you're right, my friend. Well, um, we are going to end a few minutes early today because of uh, time constraints. I do apologize, uh, but it, it is one of those days where I just kind of I have to get on uh, with certain things. I, I don't have time. Um, you, you shouldn't apologize. It's entirely my fault. It's okay. Well, we'll make up for it next week. Uh, or maybe sure. we can do – yeah, well, you do your, your thing on the weekend, and then we'll, I'll call you first of the week, and we'll, we'll see if we can't do something you know, subscriber-exclusive or something. Um, but – this is the surprise that I wanted to end with today. Um, Greta paid you a visit in the city of London over the, uh, the past weekend. Did you hear about it? No. No, I really didn't. You didn't no. hear about it. Okay. Well, she was standing no. out in front of uh, somewhere, uh, I'm not sure, but protesting something involving uh, petrochemicals or whatever, and she was she was arrested. Uh, this was the footage from the uh, the incident. Welcome to the UK, Greta. Guys, please move back. Okay, for the benefit of the listeners, she's being searched before she gets put into the police van. Uh, She's got a big smile on her face. There's plenty of paps around to make sure that all of the perfect shots is going to make the paps rich and carry on the message that Greta is trying to deliver, uh, reach the papers. Yeah, I, I hadn't heard anything about it. Uh, that poor girl is is being used. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Look, she knows that it's all a fraud, too. Look at that look on her face. Yeah. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. She knows exactly where but, the cameras are standing. Yeah. And she, and she knows who, who to look at. And um, and it's it's sad because she'll never get her youth back her own personality back she's lost uh in in those terms now i didn't hear about it i i must say i haven't watched the news for quite a few days because i have been very busy but that doesn't excuse my tardiness today i didn't get to talk about what you and ned got to talk about the other day which was space mining so i want to have the three of us to have a chat about that That'd be live great. if possible. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. We we can arrange that. One last thing here, Marty. You're into theater. You you love you love theater. You you are I do. a uh, yeah. You're you're not only I a, am a lesbian. Yeah, you're not only a, exactly. You're not only a, a theater goer. You're also a performer. Uh, and I thought that uh, I thought that this would be um, something that um, that you would enjoy. Uh, this was a a, a performance of uh, how do you pronounce this? Le- less miserables or something? It's what whatever. Les miserables. Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, uh, this was a performance in London, and this is what happened at that performance. Okay, so uh, just as we get into one of the best numbers in the show, by the way, that isn't the West End cast of Le Miserable. Um, that's a, a fairly small provincial theatre. I do know about this this incident, uh, and even some of the actors uh, have said that they support the Just Stop Oil's action. Um, Are you kidding me? Because... No, no, no. On Twitter or X, as it is now known, there's been at least two or three of the cast members 
come out in support of them. I've answered every single one, by the way, on on X and told them why they're wrong. But it's a it's a musical about revolution, revolt, and protest. And for once, we always accuse Just Stop Oil of of picking the wrong things to um to you know wrong methods of protest even if we don't agree with them i think that was a perfect one because the cast are full of super woke know nothing uh i can't even find the words to describe them the ones that would support you know having their show that they've rehearsed for and a lot of money's been spent and people have paid to come and see the show because they like the show to have it interrupted by tards such as just stop oil must have been really annoying but i think for once they've picked one of the the right ways to protest yeah indeed and as a matter of fact uh they're they're actually they're out today they're block they're blocking right this is just coming in now uh they're blocking a uh uh, a bus full of uh, uh, migrants that are being shuttled into uh, into the UK now. I'm not quite sure. Why oh wow, to, that that's yeah. that's a, that's a good evolution because if if they evolve into just stop illegal immigrants, I will be getting myself an orange flag and orange high vis and going and join them. Are we absolutely certain that bus has got illegal immigrants on though? That's what's being reported. It's not it's not me saying it. It's all the other outlets saying it. Well, there you go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, the people on the bus in the uniform of the illegal immigrant with uh, masks on and hoodies pulled up high. They could be football fans. It could be, yeah. Could be. They but anyway, be it's, it's being, fans. yeah, it's being reported as, uh, as bus full of uh, illegal uh, it, migrants. If, that's, if that proves to be true, that's a fantastic evolution and, and a very good, um, very good protest. Well done. The day that Marty praises Just Stop Oil. Never thought I would see it. Anyhow. I will see you back next week, my friend. Yes, you will. I promise not to be late this time. Fair enough. We will talk about uh, throwing something else together uh, next week. So uh, have a great weekend, and we will go ahead and kick out of here again a few minutes early, but we do apologize. Uh, we will be back next week. So that'll do it for us for today and for this week. Thanks for being here today. Thank you to all the listeners. God bless everyone. Have a great evening.